Hello, my name is Dave Shannett, and I've been coming to CPC for almost two years. Most Sundays I'm helping out in the tech booth at Coin any of these days. I'm excited to share with you today about Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew chapter 5, 31 through 37. One of the things that I like to do is to play board games with my friends. It's probably my favorite hobby, and a lot of my favorite games, things like Balderdash or Werewolf or Diplomacy, they involve bluffing. They're going to reward the player who tells the best fib. One of them is a game that I like called Resistance. And everyone in this game plays on a good guy team, sort of. But a few of the players are secretly dealt spy cards. They're the bad guys, and they win by pretending to be the good guys. They're playing against everyone else. That means the winning team in a game of Resistance is either the players with the best poker face or the players who can spot a tell. Every game of Resistance starts out calmly. We'll ask everybody, are you a good guy? Yes. And that's simple enough. Every game ends the same way, too. Every player is offering elaborate assurances and promises and reasons why they've got to be a good guy. They're shouting, they're swearing, and sometimes there's even hurt feelings. Once a player's caught line in resistance, their yes is not their yes anymore. Now, that's a game, but a lot of us probably struggle to be truthful in our real lives. And at least we all know someone who does. It's difficult when someone you love is having trouble being honest with you, especially a spouse. If you catch me in a lie, the next time my yes or my no aren't enough anymore and I'll escalate it. I'll say something like, I promise, or trust me. And after the second lie, I have to raise the stakes even higher. Now today, it doesn't look like swearing and oaths are a big part of the culture. I can really only think of the word being used in a formal sense, things like being sworn into office or sworn into oath to testify in a court. Jesus talks about swearing on your own head here, stuff like, may God strike me down, or I swear on my life. The third time that Peter denied knowing Christ and he swore down a curse on himself. And I don't really hear people say things like that these days. But I do hear people say something that I think has the same implication. If they're, if they're talking about things, they'll say, I'm dead serious. And I think that's something that, that we still do today that Jesus is talking about here. As our dishonesty increases, we start to threaten ourselves. And when that doesn't work, we'll resort to anger to punctuate our oath. One of the most painful dysfunctions in a relationship is when a dishonest person uses their anger to shield a lie. God might not strike him down on the spot, but it can certainly destroy a relationship. So why does Jesus talk about this right alongside divorce? Because what we say and do does relate to reality. Just as God's covenants are rock-solid promises that we can rely on for our salvation, our covenants are solid, real things. Marriage is as real as we are. And Jesus acknowledges that marriage is a covenant. They can be destroyed by sexual morality. But he also says here in the Sermon on the Mount that many of the given reasons for divorce are pretexts that are rooted in our sin that we escalate in our lives. I've heard some teachers explain that in Jesus' time in some circles, people believed that you could get a divorce for something as simple as your spouse ruining a dinner. That's an anger issue if I ever heard one. And I think no doubt the people who heard Jesus preaching this would have had that on their minds. In the previous weeks of this study, we've learned how the actions of murder and adultery are ultimately an expression of unrepentant or unacknowledged anger and lust. No doubt you're seeing how Jesus' teaching about the law progresses from the internal to the external with increasing consequences. Along with dishonesty, these same internal sins corrode the bonds of marriage, and they're a key factor in at least many of the divorces that we know in our lives. Being unable to master this, people struggle to master their covenant relationships. From marriage to oaths, don't miss how Jesus suggests to leave your marriage for something as small as a ruined dinner is a failure of your yes, I do, for better or for worse, to be just that, just your yes. Jesus says we can't even change the color of one hair of our head. We can no more make a lie true by calling down an oath than we can make a marriage untrue by finding some thin pretext like ruining a meal to end it. If we can't even change the color of the hair in our heads, we can't change our sin without his law and his grace. Reading this chapter should prompt us to repent and not to judge. If you read ahead in the next chapter, Jesus says that in chapter 6. And chapter 5 shows us that we have planks stuck in our own eyes 
and it is the grace of Christ that pulls them out. Jesus doesn't give us space in this passage to give more grace than he has to the person who tells a little white lie or loses their temper or lets their eyes wander, but he also doesn't give us space to look at the divorced couple with less grace than he has. Instead, he shows us how the cords of sin wrap deep in our hearts, and our role in learning this is not to try harder. In Unmasking Our Sin, chapter 5 of Matthew holds up a mirror, and when we see it, when I see myself there, I cast myself on Christ and rely on the Holy Spirit. We've all fallen short, and no one can say I'm different. Having a successful marriage doesn't set one free from sin. And going through the loss of a marriage does not put one outside the grace of Christ or the community and reconciliation of his church. Our own words and covenants do not have the power of the Lord's, but we are his image bearers. And when we break our words and our covenants, when we lie, using our words to twist reality, we dishonor God. Jesus Christ is the word of God made flesh. He fulfilled God's law and his word created and sustained the universe. God's covenant reconciled all of us and all of creation, and it's his grace and work that make us able to be truthful. So join with me as we pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for, for Christ and, and his teaching. Thank you for his ministry in this sermon. We ask you, Lord, that you hold up the mirror of your law to our hearts and guide us to repent of our sin. Guide us to cast yourself on your grace and on the Holy Spirit, Lord, and sanctify us and make us holy. In your name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again, everyone.